is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Melvin Gordon, 14 or more fantasy points in non-PPR, 16 or more fantasy points in PPR every week before missing weeks 13, 14, and 15. He's threatening to hold out. He wants either a new contract or a trade. And I believe he's moving down in the rankings. Isn't that right, Dave Richard? He is moving down. You can say goodbye to round one, Melvin Gordon, for now. For now, if we were drafting today. I don't know. It seems maybe a touch drastic. What's drastic? Moving him down or what he's doing? No, moving him down out of the first round based I on I think it's drastic demand. what he's doing. Deciding now in the middle of July to hold out. And- I, I think it's really, really smart. <laughs> I, I, seriously, you're you talking think it's smarter. You're being sarcastic. No, it's it's this is it's more smart and justified than what happened with Bell last year. He's made ten million dollars in his entire career. He's making five million dollars this year, as opposed to like a sixteen million dollar figure. He's had three knee injuries, and he's on a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Why do this now? Then why not do it before? They tried camp. to do it before Dead. because they they couldn't work out a contract situation, so they were having negotiations earlier. That's why he reported to mandatory minicamp. And negotiations apparently fell apart. Well, whether it's smart for him or not, if you're drafting it's right now, it's absolutely smart for him. If you're drafting right now, is he a first round pick? Dave says no. Yeah, I think probably I would not. I think he will be a first round pick. I think someone will take him in the first twelve. He's a he's a one two turn guy for me now. <laughs> He'll be right back in the first round once he's got a team and a contract and he's happy. But like you just gotta. I think if he's if he's a holdout day one of camp, then it changes things. Right now, he's still a first round pick. Yeah, he's not the first guy to ask for a new contract. Obviously, the Le'Veon Bell thing is spooking us, right? There, there's, there's most likely speculation he's going to get the deal done. Right. All right. Well, I guess we have plenty of time to react to it. But if you're doing a best ball draft right now, you know, are you are you throwing down a, a lot more on Austin Eckler or a lot earlier on Austin Eckler? Well, and Jenkins also. Jackson's Jackson. Jackson. Jackson, excuse me. Well, so I, I looked at the split, the breakdown of the four games that Melvin Gordon missed. Eckler only played three of those games. He had 17, 18, and 17 touches in those three games. Jackson didn't really have huge involvement. In the first game, he basically was uninvolved. The second game without Melvin Gordon, he did have eight carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Eckler had 13 carries and five catches in that game. The second game without Gordon, uh, well, the third game without Gordon, rather, Jackson had seven carries, Eckler had 15. And then the final game without Melvin Gordon, doesn't. I mean, that was Justin Jackson had 16 carries, 58 yards and a touchdown, but Eckler missed that game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Eckler still got more work. And again, 17, 18, and 17 touches in three games without Melvin Gordon. It's pretty interesting. There's There's already rumors that the next running back for the Chargers if they move on from Melvin Gordon, which again, a lot of ball game left before that happens, is currently in Buffalo. Uh, and that Anthony Ward? Lynn, Anthony Lynn is a big fan of LaShawn McCoy, and that they'll they could trade something cheap for him and use him this year and then find another running back next year. The track record of the Chargers replacing running backs via the draft after they've run their course is pretty odd. It's clear as day. Melvin Gordon was the guy who replaced Ryan Matthews after five years. Ryan Matthews is the guy who replaced LaDainian Tomlinson after 11 years. 
this this franchise has done a good job of holding on to running backs who are productive, and then as soon as the productivity wanes or dips or injuries are a concern, they move on. That's why I don't see them spending a ton. It's got to be a team-friendly deal. Sure. It's the only way Melvin's staying. All right, well, he wants uh, big-time money, and we will see if he gets it. So... Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> this is Fantasy Football Today, our final show of the week. We'll have either three or four for you next week, and we'll be ramping up. We'll be pre- uh, five days a week pretty soon. We have other podcasts for you to listen to, especially the Pick 6 podcast, which would obviously be great for this audience. Will Brinson does that show every day, uh, all throughout the offseason and obviously into the regular season. Pick 6 NFL podcast is called Pick 6. Check it out. But if you want a list of our uh, you know, list of all of our shows, Go to cbssports.com slash podcast or podcasts. Either one will get you there. cbssports.com slash podcasts. And you can see our shows and you can subscribe right there. If you have Spotify, you can listen to us on Spotify, which would be really helpful. We'd love for you to help us get our Spotify rating up a little bit. So please do that for us. And also CBS Sports HQ. You guys are going five days a week on HQ on July, what, 22nd? 22nd. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty close. That's noon Eastern, CBS Sports HQ. You can watch these dudes on video. I'll probably pop on every now and then. But Oh, uh, you'll pop on a lot. Live uh, from noon to 1 Eastern. And then we also have what should be pretty cool is a, a training camp show starting that same day at 4.30 Eastern. Oh, nice. All right, great. So great that'll stuff. Be, that'll be more, more football-centric, though. And how do you watch HQ? You put it on your connected device. Either it's a smart TV or it's a Roku or an Apple TV or an Amazon Fire or anything like that where you download an app and you watch something. That's what you can do. You can watch it right in your living room. Uh, You get the CBS Sports app and you watch HQ and it's all free. We have an email of the day that is such a good email. I mean, round of applause. Cooper from the place where league champions reside. And do we have a place for that or just... I assume Boston. I, I was going to assume Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I think fantasy is, is league good. champions. The subject but none line, of us reside in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. When? We work in Fort Lauderdale. We're residing there right now. No, that's not, that's not how it works. <laughs> uh, the the subject line is Christian McCaffrey is going to be a bust this year, and all the stats prove it. It it's really good. It is a long, well thought out email. And the gist of it, oh, he says also deer, rain, white-tailed, mule, and roe. Those are all deers, or deer. The, the gist of it is this. Cam Newton got hurt. He had some shoulder soreness in week seven. But he got hurt on a hit by J.J. Watt. T.J. T.J. Watt against the Steelers in week 10. And if you look at Christian McCaffrey's stats before that hit and Christian McCaffrey's stats after that hit, you're talking about the difference between the number nine running back in fantasy and the number one running back in fantasy. The targets went up. The yards per carry and the yards per catch went up. The touchdowns went way up. Some of it may be fluky. Some of it may be explained by a change in Cam Newton. I won't go through all the stats, but but here's like the fantasy point breakdown. In non-PPR, 13.625 points per game before Cam's, before Watts hit on Cam, I should say. After, from 13.62 to 22.8. In PPR, 19.75 PPR points per game to 30.3 PPR fantasy points per game. I went back, I checked all the work. It's it's 95% right. So great email from Cooper in Fort Lauderdale. What's wrong? What's wrong is that he said, um, this is kind of a common mistake. He said that uh, McCaffrey was RB9, I think. 
or RB10 based on his pre-cam injury stats, but he counted Christian McCaffrey in that group, like what McCaffrey did. So really, you have to, if you're going to do that, if you're going to recount McCaffrey, you have to take the actual Christian McCaffrey out of the list. So he was one spot too low on him, uh, if that makes sense. And uh, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Like, Cam, maybe Cam couldn't throw the ball downfield, and McCaffrey got more targets and more production, and he got more carries. He certainly got more carries. So also, this was not included in the email. But before that hit, they were 6-2. and two. In the final six games that Cam Newton played, including the one in which he got hit, they were 0-6. So, uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you make of that? Is Christian McCaffrey going to be a bust? I don't think so. I, I, I just look at what his role is in this offense, and uh, maybe by a byproduct of Cam not being 100%. But, you know, it, it's hard to quantify what level of health he was at. Like, clearly he was not the same guy. But was he 85% of himself? Was he 50% of himself? Was he 20% of himself? You know, and, and how much did that lend itself to also him dumping the ball off to McCaffrey more? I mean, you know what he's going to be in terms of a rusher. Uh, I, I think that was proven last season. So you're, you're banking on that. If if you're, uh, It sounds like, uh, what's his name? The email? Doug. Doug, Doug Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. 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 <laughs> Who the hell is Doug? <laughs> he's going to downgrade him to... What a late first round pick? He's still a first round pick. He said eight or nine at running back. I I think it's a very good email. It's food for thought. Um, and I would be interested in moving Christian McCaffrey down if I didn't already have him fourth and Melvin Gordon had been fifth. <laughs> this this uh, this email wasn't quite as moving as the uh, Melvin Gordon holdout was for me. So I I I think he's the number four running back. And this gives me a little bit of pause about putting him ahead of any of those guys. Doesn't it make you feel a little more optimistic about Christian McCaffrey after what he did in the second half of last season when he took on more work? And maybe the Panthers asked him, hey, put on a little more weight. You saw the pictures of his arms. Guy's bigger now than he's ever been. And maybe that's to take on more work and to have more carries and to do more. So, yeah, I the stats say exactly what. Uh, Connor says or Cooper yeah. says uh, Cooper so, Doug, so Doug. I, I should That's... Cooper Doug I should clarify it was really more the catches than the carries his 16 game pace in the first eight games was 218 carries and 98 catches his 16 game pace in the last six games 227 carries only nine more but 139 catches well, uh, and the touchdowns right and the touchdowns were the big like, like he was on pace for 22 total touchdowns in those last six games. So that certainly is one way or another. It's fluky, uh, it, but it, it certainly changed the fantasy point total. So last thing on this, after Cam Newton took that hit from TJ Watt, his Cam Newton's carries, Doug, Doug Watt, Doug Watt. There it is. Cam Newton's carries went way down as pointed out by Cooper Doug in this email. Cam Newton went from 9.113 rush attempts per game to 4.7 rush attempts per game big difference there i'm a little bit concerned the only a little concerned that cam doesn't run quite as much which would be i guess good for mccaffrey in this sense yes it would be i do think that there's a chance that cam has his best passing season ever okay which probably also be good for mccaffrey all right well anyway think about it everybody great email from cooper 
And t- today on the show, we're going to do some rankings disputes. We're going to read some emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. We're also going to put a player under the microscope in just a bit. Actually, three players all on the same team. Here's some news and notes for you. The Jaguars signed West Virginia wide receiver Marcus Sims. The supplemental draft was yesterday, and Sims did not get drafted, but he did get signed afterwards. There's a little bit of buzz on him, I guess. Any dynasty interest in Marcus Sims? Nope. Got to be deep, deep, deep. Like I, I've got leagues with 40-plus roster spots. I might look at him there. Okay. How about Andy Reid talking about Damian Williams being the starter? He seems pretty – got some conviction in that, that Damian Williams is, uh, is the starter. Yes. Coach, yeah. coach likes player. I mean, again, who else would he say is going to be the starter? But he doesn't have to say it like this, I think. He can say, well, we like Damian, but, you know, we brought in Carlos. Right. We're going which to see. Is, right. A which lot is of what I've said that. before. Yeah. And uh, after what Damian Williams did to end last season, how could they not have him open camp as the starter? Okay. I guess the general question is, do you think that Andy Reid's comments about Damian Williams should change your mind a little bit, make you a little more optimistic no. about him? I think Damian Williams' play and role in this offense is what makes me want to take him. I mean, it would depend on if you were still thinking it was going to be a competition, then yeah, I think it should. Jack Doyle is not rushing back from kidney surgery. So that was an off-season surgery that he had. He lost 20 pounds. He's taking it slowly. And obviously, Jack Doyle heavily influences Eric Ebron's fantasy value. Should we be considering this right now? Everything I've seen indicates they expect Jack Doyle to be a full go. If that changes, then yes, it would definitely um, change my mind. But I don't think he has like health concerns right now. It's just that he's regaining the weight. Jimmy Garoppolo should be full go for training camp. Cam Newton should be full go for training camp. And there was an article on ESPN.com about the Steelers backfield that's really worth discussing. Uh, Jalen Samuels, according to this Jeremy Fowler article, you know, he didn't give a, a breakdown of the splits, who's going to get what. But this is going to be more of a committee than what we're used to seeing. Did you guys see the article? What was your reaction to it? I know, Jamie, you and I talked about it offline. Uh, and just Jalen Samuels' role and what it could mean for not only him, but James Conner as well. I mean, he's going to play. It's just a matter of what role he's going to play and how much it's going to take away from Conner. You know, they're... they're there's too much... You know, it's, it's the same thing. If you're going to put stock into what Andy Reid is saying which you should as the coach, you have to take into account what the reports are and what the players are saying themselves. And so while Connor's going to be the featured guy, he's still going to be the dominant guy in, in this Pittsburgh offense. They bring in a former member of the NC State staff who knows Samuels. They, they got production out of him last year. I think they've kind of realized that it, the NFL has changed. It, it's, it's not necessarily give a guy 400 touches anymore, and, and James Connor's not Le'Veon Bell. So I, I think you just have to understand that you still take Connor in some semblance of the late first, early second round, depending on your preference on, on him. It's still worth taking a chance on Jalen Samuels, maybe even a later chance on Benny Snell, just in case Connor goes down. But they're going to play these guys. I mean, it's just the, the nature of the Steelers that we know is going to change. could change 10%. It could change 50%. But – there, there's obvious reason to to believe that James Conner is not going to be what Le'Veon Bell was. Yeah, I just think it's fun because like every week now we're getting a new quote from James Conner that says mm-hmm. something a little bit different. It was only eight days ago that he said, I'm going to have a similar role to last year. My guess is his agent told him to shut up <laughs> because him saying, oh, I'm not going to be the same guy lowers his value. 
he had 270 carries and or 270 touches in 13 games last year. It's about I'd 21 touches what he gets per game. For the season. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, definitely puts him in the conversation of a first round pick. For sure. This this isn't this isn't the reason to run away from James Conner. It's just a matter of are you comparing Conner to let's just say Melvin Gordon is reporting week one of training camp or by week three of training camp and he's fine. Uh, David Johnson, Joe Mixon, those guys. That's you just have to sort of stack it up against them. Well, based on last season, if Jalen Samuels has an increased role, you would probably expect it to hurt James Conner's receiving production more so than his rushing production, right? Yeah, he's he's not catching. Yes, but also they've got like we don't think anyone's getting 180 targets like Antonio Brown. There may just be a few more passes that go to the running backs. Sure, I guess what I was saying was if this has an effect on Connor, maybe it's comparing him to other wide to wide receivers in the first round rather than other running backs. Everything. I mean, it 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 changes just whatever you're. If you were, I'm a hundred percent a James Connor guy. Just downgraded 95. Jalen Samuels, by the way, in the PPR draft that we did. Two days ago, he went about 128th overall. What do you think about that? Fine. Yep. No, it's not like a, a steal or anything. It's just fine. It's fine. I, yeah, I wouldn't upgrade him tremendously either. Because I don't think if James Con- the problem with Samuels and there's we've got some other, Austin Eckler's a little bit like this as well. I think if James Conner yep. goes down, you don't have 20 touch upside in Jalen Samuels. He's going to share with Vinny Snell. Would you Maybe. rather have Jalen Samuels or that, that comes down to Snell? I think. Jalen Samuels or Duke Johnson? Samuels. Duke. Samuels for now. Duke. Uh, they went pretty close together, about five picks apart in that draft that we did. We're going to talk about that draft next week. Uh, Rob Gronkowski participated in a private workout with Tom Brady, according to Mass Live. Anybody drafting Rob Gronkowski in the tight end favored Scott Fishbowl? No. no. What, if it's, what if it's round 22? No. Have you seen pictures of Gronk lately? I just saw he's a video of like him. Forty pounds. He has lost some weight, but he's. It's not like he's. He's not stickly. playing. He's not playing football anymore. Round twenty-two, last pick, total throwaway pick. It's him or some sixth-round rookie or something. No. All right. Okay. Let's say. I, let's say that they people will. They make. Oh yeah. They make diehard six. Die Hard 5 was so bad, right? Live, uh, what was it? Live, no, no, Live Free or Die Hard was good. A Great Day to Die Hard, something terrible. The one in That's Russia. the one he goes to Russia? Yeah, it's like the worst. I actually, I actually watched Live Free or Die Hard last night. It's good. It's fun. It, it's, yeah. It's fun. It's, it's fun. It's, it's fun. fun. It's fun. Him, him the scene in, in the tractor trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the semi, whatever you call it, was so ludicrous. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and Die Hard Three has some of that too. Like Die Hard Three has just some ridiculous stunts. Uh, he obviously he couldn't pull off. He becomes kind of a superhero. Die Hard he plays games same. in Die Hard Three. Well, the, it's ridiculous. The, the games are fun, but no, they're not. Die Hard Four is is a good movie. Like the what's his name? Timothy Oliphant. He's a good yeah. villain. He's very good. Yep. Justin Long is good, is a good addition. It's a good movie. Die Hard Five is terrible. If they made Die Hard Six, would you rather like kind of old Bruce Willis or skinny Gronk? As the main character. <laughs> <laughs> kind of old Bruce Willis. I, I think they'd be great teaming up. It would be, they, what they why do, do I have to pick one? They should do is make Bruce Willis a terrorist. Like he goes back to Nakatomi Tower and, and he robs the building. Let's give Bruce guy. Willis all the lines and Gronk all the action. And I think it could be a good pairing. So Gronk is a stuntman. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Gronk as a, like a really bad Bruce Willis stuntman. All right. Let's put a player under the microscope here. And we're putting three of them under the microscope. As Dave said something interesting on the show 
two days ago that uh, that stood out. And let's explore that a little bit. He said that Robert Woods, I think, was the one that concerns you the most of the three Rams receivers. Is that what you said? That's what I said. All right, I want I want to know why. So let's put all three Rams wide receivers under a microscope, and how do you guys rank them right now? Cooks, Woods, Cup. Uh, I flip Cooks and Woods and PPR, but otherwise same. I think uh, didn't somebody send us an email or a tweet or something that or I, I saw somewhere that Cooks and Woods are actually better with Cup on the field. Was well, that based they on were, last year. Yeah, if it's yeah, yeah, sure. it has to be because they all did great last year. Well, the thing is, like, Jared Goff just played like garbage after, other than the Kansas City game. He just he didn't well, throw the ball that, that much. Game. He was no Cup got hurt the day, game before. I know, the I know, City I know, game, but right? it was after that game when Cup started to or yeah. Goff started to play bad. That's why I'm saying like everybody's numbers were better before uh, Cup's injury. I don't I don't know that I really agree with that take. I understand the numbers say that. I'm not sure that I agree with it. That, that I'm not sure it's predictive. Well, let me just start by saying that all three of them are in my top 24. Like, I'm, I'm totally happy in getting Robert Woods. I just think Cooper Cup has that red zone aura about him that Jared Goff finds. And I think Brandon Cooks, when it comes to boomer bust receivers, he's probably at the top of the list. I did go back and look at the game. Like If you take out the game where Cooks got hurt really early and didn't even get a target in the whole game, and you just look at the games where all three wide receivers played. Cooks actually led the team in targets. Not not by much though, right? It was pretty close. No, with Robert it was Woods. really really close. Yeah, yeah. And, and depending on how you want to do the the Cooper Cup numbers, he played eight games. So Jamie, this is what you and I disagree on, right? He played eight games. I give him seven he healthy six games. Healthy games. Six full games. Yeah, he got okay. So in one of the games though. He played 38% of the snaps and he had no catches. So it's probably looking like a bad game. But if you just take his seven healthy games, uh, Jamie says six, I say seven. My numbers would probably be even worse. It's 91 catches, 1,300 yards, and 11 touchdowns if you give him 16 games based on those seven I don't remember the catches and yards, but I do know of the six games he scored 16 touchdowns. (laughs) So, yeah, he he was great. They They were all great. Robert Woods was 10th in non-PPR, 11th in PPR. Brandon Cooks was 14th in non-PPR, 13th in PPR. And Cup only played eight games, got hurt in two of them, and he still scored five touchdowns, and he just owns the red zone. Do you feel like that will happen again? Uh, he had he had 12 red zone targets in those eight games, which are really like seven based on injuries. And last year he had 23 red zone targets, which was third in the NFL, Cooper Cup. You expecting I mean, look, a big, a big part of this could be is how much work they give Gurley inside the, the, the five or inside the 10 or in the red zone in general. Just going red zone touches. Because if his, what, 17 touchdowns come down and nobody else takes them? Yeah, and not only that, he, I think he led the team in red zone targets, actually, Todd Gurley. He had uh, 19. He led the team. Brandon Cooks had 17. He also was tied with Cooks for the most targets inside the 10-yard line with eight. Todd Gurley, that's pretty interesting. Now, I like I said, Cup would have beaten them. Like, Cup had seven targets inside the 10-yard line. Played half a season. Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks led the team with eight targets inside the 10-yard line. How many did Woods have? Woods had also eight. Sorry. So it was eight, 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 and seven 
Gerald Everett had six, and Josh Reynolds had five. Uh, but Robert Woods only had 12 red zone targets compared to 19 for Gurley, 17 for Cooks. Well, are they all safe, or do any of them feel yes. risky to you? I worry a little bit about, about Cup just because I worry a little bit about anyone that reliant on touchdowns. I like the fact that he's been so factored in the red zone the last two seasons. I thought you were going to come out and say you were worried about Cup coming off the injury. Well, that's I think that's obviously if he's too. if he's on the pup list to start training camp and it takes him three weeks to get going, then yeah, I would worry about. But he Cooper only Cup. scored five times in fifteen games as a rookie. But he had a lot of looks and yeah, in, I don't know if he had quite a, targets. Right, right. I asked uh, about these three guys on our fantasy football today Facebook group, by the way. So it, it's pretty split. And please join the Facebook group. It's you know it's obviously free. And I put a I put a picture of an animal ramming someone. I thought it was a ram, but it might not be a ram. So feel free to weigh in on that as well. But we got about fifty comments on it. Everybody likes them all, but a lot of people. I, I was surprised. I saw some love for Cooper Cup as number one, and that seems risky, especially coming off the torn ACL. Yeah, yeah, I've got Cooks one. You have Cooks one, huh? Mm-hmm. Same. Oh, you have Cooks one, right? Not Cup. Yeah. Nope. Cooks, Cup, Woods for me, but again, they're very close together. Is there anything that we don't like about Robert Woods? He he's basically been the steadiest receiver in fantasy he's for so like a safe. year and a half, right? <laughs> yeah. He's been just as consistent as Brandon Cooks. So if I'm going to sit here and say, well, Brandon Cooks is one of the best boomer bust receivers in fantasy then you've got to be able to say the exact same thing about Robert Woods. It's not like Woods um, was you know, 30 points one week and then four the next week. He was he, – he to me, he and Cooks, they're different types of receivers, but last year in fantasy they produced practically the same rate. Well, I'm satisfied. We put three players under an awfully big microscope, and they get drafted in similar rounds. Cup seems to be the touchdown guy. I would say that Cup – Cup probably has the the best chance to have a bad game. You know, if you just look at like useless games, Cup had more of those than Woods and Cooks when they were all healthy. But you know, those touchdowns seem to save him. And uh, there you go. There, there's the Rams wide receivers under a microscope. Got some rankings disputes and your emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. And here we go. Let's go to the rankings disputes. I got one quarterback, run, one running back, one wide receiver, and a tight end. Very clever. Dave, you have Andrew Luck number one at quarterback. How about that? Jamie has Luck third. Heath has Luck fourth. Dave, Andrew Luck, the best quarterback in fantasy? Yes. Thank you. That was my argument. <laughs> I, I love what they've done with the offense. I love that they're going to be at ridiculously full strength. I totally buy into Frank Reich and his play calling. The offensive line speaks for itself. It's a top three unit in the league. And Luck is just a maestro back there. And the defense hasn't gotten that much better. So I think we're still going to see the Colts in a lot of high-scoring shootouts. I don't think Marlon Mack's going to take over as being the focal point of the offense. By any stretch, he'll get his numbers. The run game will get its numbers. But Andrew Luck, to me, just with all the weapons that they've added and kept, is going to be impossible to stop. He was fourth last year. He was hurt in 2017. 2016, he played 15 games, and he was fourth. Although, by my math, he still would have finished fourth if he had played that 16th game at the same pace. 
See, he's uh, always fourth. But he was number one in 2014. <laughs> he was the number one quarterback. He threw for 4,700 yards, 4,761, with 40 touchdown passes. He'll beat those numbers this year. Which probably would have been fourth Uh, this year. Yeah, well, he wasn't too too different because 4,600 yards and 39 touchdown passes with 15 interceptions for Andrew Luck, that made him the number four quarterback. It's a hell of a year. Wasn't much worse than 2014, but he went from number one to number four. He also didn't rush. He also had no rushing touchdowns last year. He had three of those when he was the number one quarterback in uh, 2014. And I don't know, like, part of that could be a little bit unlucky and it could be that after what they've been through with his injury, they're just not going right. to put him in those type of run situations. I've got him projected for one. Uh, I think you have to expect his pass volume is going to come down a little bit. He was, I think second in the league in attempts behind only Roethlisberger. 639 was a career high for him. And I do think that it even has improved some. So, I, I think it's uh, dramatically different. So the defense. I, yeah. I've dropped him down to 620, and I kind of feel like that might still be too high. But he's going to be good. Uh, he'll be insanely efficient. You can give him 575, and he'll still be lights out. Well, he's never really been. In, like In 2016, he was well above average in terms of yards per attempt, but he's never had an, an eight yards per attempt season like we saw six or seven or eight quarterbacks do last year. So it would be something new for him, and he he does throw a few interceptions. I, I'll add one last thing. And when the when the offseason opened, Mahomes was my number one. And when Tyreek Hill got in hot water, that changed. So if Tyreek Hill doesn't have a suspension, how can you go against Mahomes as number one? Right. So then luck would right. be my two. Okay. Next rankings dispute. Let's go to our running back. It's Leonard Fournette. So kind of different on where you guys are. Not too different, but Heath, you're the high guy on Leonard Fournette. Jamie's got him 12th in both formats. Dave has Fournette 15th in both non-PPR and PPR. You've got Fournette 11th in non-PPR and 10th in PPR. So, yeah, you're the high guy on Fournette, Heath. Discuss. Yeah, and I have not. Like, there are certain players that I have downgraded due to injury risk. He is not one of them, and that might be why I've got him higher. This is where I've got him projected But I do think it's an excellent opportunity in an offense that should be more creative. He's been a workhorse back in the – like he only played 13 games in 2017, and he still had over 300 touches. He's been pretty good in the passing game, and they have not replaced TJ Yeldon. I know, Dave, you said they've talked about how they'd like to. If they replace TJ Yeldon in some way with with an an okay back, then I might lower his catch total a little bit. But right right now it looks to me like a guy that's going to be one of – a handful of true feature backs in the NFL that uh, I I might even be a little too low on him. I get that. And it, it's sickening to think about Alfred Blue taking touches away from Leonard Fournette, which is, I, I don't want it to be the case. Uh, to me, it's Fournette not being able to stay healthy. That's, that, that's the whole thing. I just don't want to deal with that. And I, 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 you look at what he did last year in PPR, he averaged over 14 points per game. It's very tough to look at that and say, oh, he's a bust this year. But I'd rather go with running backs who I think can can hold up a little bit longer. So do you have and, Dalvin Cook ahead of him? Uh, yes, which also concerns me a little bit because I I say almost the exact same thing about Dalvin Cook. Right. Is that We don't know if he can do it for 16 games. It's just At least with, with Fournette, I think he can do it for 13 games. I'm not even sure if Dalvin can do it for 13 again. 
It's tough to know which of these running, because it's hard to find running backs that don't have injury concerns at this range. Sure. The other, the other issue I have with Fournette is that Jacksonville got a quarterback and they also got an offensive coordinator that's known for throwing. I, I could see them getting away from being too run heavy. I, I have them projected doing that. I just don't have. What, what, what do you have as far as run pass ratio? Do you have that percentage? Uh, yeah, it's like 55, 56% pass. Yeah, that's fine. But I still have Fournette getting close to the most touches in the NFL. 54 I, I on 16. If, Jack, if on Jacksonville 16 has their way, they're going to get back to what they were in 2017, no matter who the quarterback is. So I, I think you look at they led the NFL in rushing attempts that season. I think that's what they want to get from Fournette. Then they hired the wrong guy. I don't know if they hired the I, wrong guy because right. I think it's still Tom Coughlin. You know, it, it's still him trickle down, whatever it is, you know, how much influence he has going to practice every day. They, they hired a guy who knows Nick Foles. I mean, that I think is to right. make him comfortable, you know. So whether that changes how the offense goes, I look at a few things. One, he seems more dedicated than he's ever been going away to Wyoming, doing the whole training regimen. Uh, Didn't he lose some weight? Uh I think he looked better. I don't know what he weighed in as, but you know, you're talking about a guy that went from his team basically writing him off to they've accepted him back in their good graces. They didn't do anything in the offseason, in my opinion, from a threatening standpoint to him. Whether they still do that or not, that remains to be seen. But uh, Alfred Blue and Rock Armstead are not guys that are going to threaten him in, in, the, in the capacity of some of these other backfields that we see. And then you get the offensive line. And this, to me, is the biggest thing for him. Because last year, that line was just a complete... It was in complete shambles. You know, you lose the center, you lose the left guard, you lose the left tackle. All of them suffered significant injuries. They're all back healthy. It should be a very good offensive line on top of the fact that they add Juwan Taylor at the right tackle spot. Now, if he's not healthy, that changes things, which is why he fell to the second round. But if they got a steal, very similar to what happened to them with Miles Jack, it's almost parallel. In Jack was expected to be a top 10 pick. He falls the second round because of concerns over health. Taylor was supposed to be the first tackle off the board. He falls the second round because of health. So if they get that type of player who could be first-round talent and a starting offensive lineman, uh, one of the better right tackles in football, which he could be, uh, that just makes things that much better. So I think Fournette has so many things going in his favor. We get involved with this a lot, one side or the other, where the perception of what a player did a year ago influences how we look at them the next season, and it's totally understandable. But I think you look at Fournette's situation, and let's just say Melvin Gordon got traded. Let's say the Chargers decided to trade Melvin Gordon for, for Leonard Fournette. Melvin Gordon might be the number one overall pick. Why? Because you I think, think he's going to be. They would just no. ride him into the, the ground, the, huh? Because you think they would just give him a ton of carries. He's going to get so much work. The running back in Jacksonville, if he stays healthy, he's going to get so much work. And I can think that's he where Fournette is healthy. Headed. I mean, that, can he stay healthy with all that work? That, that's a huge concern. But yeah, like he said, you know, when you start to look at these guys, David Johnson, prior to last year, wasn't able to play 16 games the previous two seasons. You know, James Conner, what his injury situation is. Uh, obviously now um, we don't know Le'Veon Bell how he's going to respond after sitting out a season. Even Melvin he's, Gordon. He's had health issues. Melvin Gordon's had health issues. Well, you there's know, one so, guy that I have to ask about here because you must be more concerned about this guy's health issues than Leonard Fournette's because you all have Fournette ranked ahead of Todd Gurley. And there's, in my opinion, there's no excuse for that unless you just think that Gurley's knee injury is, is more significant than anything that Fournette's dealing with. I don't want to take a running back that's got a knee injury that's going to have to be managed. I, I, yeah, the, my, the difference for me, even if you think they're both li- as likely to miss time, is I don't think there's a chance that Todd Gurley gets 20, 25 touches a game. I mean, he, he will get a couple of games with that, but not per game. He will be so much better per touch, though, than Leonard Fournette. I would think so, so unless much he is better. the running back that he was last year. 
the end of last year you're saying because right. last year he was the still... most recent version of him we saw well yeah. i think you know another one is you know comparing fournette to chubb because chubb's got basically a 10 game window of being the guy and then there's then there's a mystery yeah sure i think kareem hunt's just going to depend on how chubb's doing if chubb isn't it's, great it's, then it's kareem still, hunt's gonna it's come still dropping it. a young former league rusher into the mix of potentially doing nothing or oh he won't do nothing or wrecking nick chubb altogether i mean there's two extremes that we don't know I hope it's nothing. I mean, you know, everybody drafting Nick Chubb in the second round should be hoping it's nothing. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you can't, unless you're in the mind right now of GM, coach, offense coordinator, which none of us are, and what their game plan is, we have no idea what they're planning for Kareem Hunt. Sure. It, it is. And so that, if, and that, if, and if Nick Chubb, of, though, of Fournette, but, you know, but if Nick Chubb goes, uh, goes out and, and dominates – you know, right. If he picks up where he left off but last you also, year, it's you also be have to, you to also have to consider as maybe the Rams showed us by just the, the, the nature of it. If they start to realize we're, ma- we're going to make a deep playoff run. And now we have this guy to maybe take a little bit of the load off of Nick Chubb. Again, it could be five carries a week. It could be 10, you know, or they just start to work him back in to make him ready for the playoffs as well. It could be 30% of the snaps where he's playing in a passing situation. In, in, replacing in whatever capacity. So, yeah, there's in, something there. I, again, I, 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 optimistically, you want to have him do nothing. But there is the question mark that you have to take into account with Nick Chubb, which is the question we get about him all the time. Is You can, you can sit here and say Nick Chubb will get a 10-game head start and could be the NFL leading rusher by that point. He could be the best running back in fantasy by that point. But he is being challenged to whatever degree by a guy who's extremely talented factoring now into the mix. We, we have no idea. It could be that Kareem Hunt does absolutely nothing and is a break glass in case of emergency type of guy. But he could also be 30% of the snaps. He could be 50% of the snaps. Right. right. Sure. We, we, just, we just don't know. It's and all so, going to hinge on Chubb. And so this isn't a Nick Chubb conversation, but it's comparing Nick Chubb to if, if both guys play 16 games, who's better at the end of the season? in their current situations. It's hard to argue that Fournette will not be better. They might be one and two in right, fantasy. Right, but, but, but Fournette, barring a trade, and we, and we saw the Jaguars do this last year, we, we know that, that the Browns are getting challenged. They're bringing a challenge into the mix. Yeah, I just want to say one thing. We can't completely overlook that Leonard Fournette's average 3.7 yards per carry through two seasons. He, he might not be that good. He might just right. be so a, you need a high volume. volume guy. Now, Melvin Gordon was under four yards per carry through his first three seasons. And then he averaged five, what, 5.1, I think, last year. So I certainly see everything Jamie said about the offensive line. I certainly see, you know, a, a possibility for uh, much more production on a per carry basis for Fournette. But so far, he hasn't been that good. I know that Dave and Jamie have some HQ responsibilities. So Dave has to hop off now. Jamie, what's your... Oh, we have, we have time. Ten minutes. Okay. Well, let, let's get to our next one then. Uh, and that would be... Julian Edelman, and I just found it interesting that Dave, uh, Jamie has Julian Edelman 13th in non-PPR, whereas Dave has him 16th and Heath has Edelman 19th in non-PPR. It's much closer in PPR, 12th for Jamie, 14th for Dave, and 14th for Heath. But, Jamie, I thought it was interesting that you had Edelman just outside the top 12, 13th in non-PPR. I just look at what the targets are going to be without Gronk there 
and the role that he's going to play. And I don't have the numbers in front of me anymore, but uh, you know what he's been able to do with Gronk not on the field is is fairly impressive. I don't know if you, you looked at the Adam. I, I can find uh, it if you want. Yeah, while probably. you guys are talking. I'm sorry. I don't think it was that much different. It was really Josh uh, Gordon who had the big difference without Gronk on the field. But well, I will last see what year, I've got. yes, but over their their last few years, Edelman's been a lot better without Gronk. Yeah, here I, I found it. Um, in in 17 games that he's played without Gronk in his career, 117 catches, 1330 yards, and five touchdowns. Now the touchdowns obviously are alarming, but as Heath would say about Cooper Cup, you know I think if anybody's touching the ball that many times the chances for his touchdown numbers to increase. And he doesn't have to go from 5 to 15 because that's not going to happen. But that's basically a season's worth of numbers. And if you're getting 117 catches, you're probably scoring at least seven times like Juju did a year ago. Well, that's that's where we're different because if it's I'm certain I've got him projected for fewer touchdowns than, than Jamie would. You don't um, think he could score seven? I've got him projected for six. Mm-hmm. I think he could score seven. Okay, so if he's getting 1,300 yards and six touchdowns, I, yeah, I don't have him projected for 1,300 yards. I'm just saying that's that's what his numbers <laughs> right. have been without Gronk on the field. You know, and just it's such an unproven receiving core, and this is factoring you know Josh Gordon not playing, but with with what they have, you know, we can sit here and say Nikhil Harry can be a star, and you know the the other Philip Dorsett and the other guys that they added could be great. What Brady and Edelman do together, and the rapport that they have in an offense that's so dependent on. The quarterback and and the receiver being in sync because of how Edelman plays out of the slot, it's just I I, I don't look at the guys I have ranked behind him as having the same type of upside. Now, now look, he's he's an older receiver. He's played a lot of games. He's had some injuries. We know that. Um, but what he did at uh, from week five on last year was pretty special, and I think that has a chance to continue given. Gronk's absence. I think if you look at the last five years, you can see examples of both Jamie's ranking being justified in mine. In 2015 and 2018, he averaged eight yards per target, scored seven touchdowns in nine games, six and 12. In 2013... Which which two years was that? 15 and 18. And 18, Gronk was... Slowing down, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that was last year. Last year, Obviously, he was was not the same player. Uh, In 16 and 14, he scored four and three touchdowns Average seven yards per target, which he has for most of his career. In 2015, Gronk was healthy. So the yards per target might be the bigger thing because if he's getting 150 targets, I mean, that might be the difference there in 15 fantasy points. Do you think there's any chance, Julian, like a, like a realistic chance that Edelman scores 10 touchdowns? No, not realistic. I mean, there would be, at his age... Probably not, right? It, it's hard to expect it, yeah. That's why I, I, don't, think... I don't love his non-PPR upside because of that. All right, so Jamie uh, is out of here. Yep, got to go back. And Heath and I will read some emails to finish the show. I was going to debate David Njoku, but uh, Heath would have nobody to debate against. So, And Dave is the one who's super low comparatively on Njoku. He's in 14th compared to 9th for Heath and Jamie. All right, you ready for some emails? Heath is walking around the studio. He is not answering my question, but I know he can hear me. He's closing the door. Oh, he's closing. Did Jamie leave without closing the door? The funny thing is, like, you know I can hear you, but I can't respond. My mic doesn't go with me. Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I couldn't say anything. Well, I figured um, that out mid-sentence. But yes, Jamie was born in a barn. Well, was a, how can he not close the door? That's t- terrible etiquette. Uh, Ralph from a town named Davey. Uh, that's Davey in Florida. My question to you all is that I have a league with a full PPR lineup, but... Here are some of the positions. Okay, it's quarterback, one running back, two wide receivers slash tight end, and then two flex. 
So you don't have to start any tight ends. Most of the pros always mention about putting priority on getting a top tight end, but how should I approach my draft when I actually don't have to start any tight ends? I wouldn't put the priority on it. I would still view Kelsey as a late second-round pick. I would still view Ertz as an early third-round pick and Kittle as a late third or early fourth-round pick. I think Ingram, Howard, and Henry fall down to more like the seventh, eighth, ninth range in terms of value. And I'm not sure in full PPR there's another tight end I'd want to draft. That's based on 12 teams when he's giving those rounds, 12 teams. I read that question because I've gotten a few questions that say I'm not required to start a tight end. And I gave this stat before, but Travis Kelsey was like wide receiver nine last year. And Ertz and Kittle were not far behind. Sure, they were top 15. This is from Taylor. Dear Julio, Amari, and Calvin. I have no idea. Those are wide receivers. Yeah, I, I know. They are uh, Alabama, Alabama wide, receivers? wide receivers. I said I have no idea, but it was a joke. I obviously knew, but it wasn't that obvious. So it was a bad, sarcastic joke. I'm keeping Saquon Barkley in a 10-team keeper league, and I have the number two pick. So considering I already have Saquon Barkley, should I take Melvin Gordon or David Johnson or maybe take a different position like Travis Kelsey, Michael Thomas, and Juju? I guess the question is, Heath, do you change your draft order because you already have that stud running back locked up? No, I wouldn't. Um, This would come down to format for me, but assuming it's PPR, I would go with Juju. Is that the case? In fact, in non-PPR, I would go with Juju. I would go with Juju. Well, but what about if Melvin Gordon is signed, sealed, delivered? You would you would take Gordon over Juju. I think I had in PPR Juju ahead of Melvin already. In non-PPR, I did have Melvin fifth. This is Chris in a suburb east of Cleveland. And he has a greeting of a movie that you don't know, Heath, but I think you need to watch it. It's terrific. You ready? How do you know I don't know it? You don't know it. You're not, you're not, like, honestly, you're just not cool enough to know it. So it's probably a terrible movie. Greetings, Coop, Andy, Victor, and Gene. Okay. That'll be Wet Hot American Summer. I started it. You didn't like it? I, I don't know that I made it through the first half hour. All right, question. There are, there are several iterations of Wet Hot American Summer. I I don't know. The original in 2001 is, is the great one. They've done, like a mini series. They it's did about like a movie. summer camp or something. Yeah, yeah, but but I hope you saw the original. Well, I I don't know. Uh, I hope you saw the original. Okay, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, no, you hope I didn't see the original because I stopped watching after fifteen minutes. That's it was true. Terrible. That's true. Can I tell you who's in Wet Hot American Summer? Uh sure. Janine Garoppolo, Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, David Hyde Pierce, people you may not know, Michael Showalter. Um, and like everybody from the state, uh, but Paul Rudd's in it. Man, it's too bad that uh, Dave and Jamie missed this. Paul Rudd's in it. Amy Poehler's in it. Bradley Cooper is in it. Elizabeth Banks is in it. It's a it's a star studded great show. Ten team half PPR redraft league. I'm one of the top three most strategically informed owners. Uh, my teams always tend to have the best value every year post-draft as defined by conventional fantasy football wisdom, while most others are drafting based on preloaded default rankings or name recognition like Tom Brady went in the first round last year. But the problem I've run into is waiting on quarterbacks in this 10-team half PPR league. Um, 
I'll be filling out the rest of my starting roster other than quarterback and then maybe one or two backups. And maddeningly, the rest of my league will not only have drafted their starting quarterback, also started to draft backups, thus leaving me with QB 12 through 15 as my starter. Fast forward to the first half of the season when all the value I've taken is sitting on my bench and my quarterback isn't performing well enough to hold up his part of the roster. And I fall in an early hole that can be tough to climb out of. In addition to the fact that since it's only a 10-team league, the draft is more forgiving even to those who approach uh, whose approach would be a lot more detrimental in larger size leagues. That's an interesting spin. Is there any advice you can give me? I wouldn't wait. I like. I wouldn't be drafting third and fourth running backs in this format before I took my quarterback. Now I don't know when you say everybody the quarterbacks fly off the board. If if Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are going off in the first round, then I'm sorry, you're just not going to get those guys. But I don't. I wouldn't push it quite as far as I have to wait until the tenth round because that's where the value. Because in this format, it's really not quite as much that way. It's you're you're right that it's more okay to take a quarterback a little earlier in this format. But QB fifteen for you is Drew Brees. I'm not going to use him because he's not going to be fifteenth in most drafts just based on ADP. So let's say it's uh, Dak Prescott or Mitchell Trubisky or something. Is there a big difference between him and like? QB seven eight nine uh, Wentz Roethlisberger Winston. QB eight nine no. I think there's a tier right after Wentz. Okay. Yeah, I, I think in this ten team league that you, Chris, are obviously very good at, you can afford to get a quarterback early, and it still seems like you're you're savvy enough to be drafting studs. Otherwise, you know, so don't don't hurt yourself in that position. From Jordan. I'm in a 2QB, 4-point per passing touchdown league. I can keep four of the following with no penalty. 2QB, 4-point per passing touchdown league. Keep four. Mahomes, Rodgers, Antonio Brown, Kelsey, Damian Williams, Marlon Mack, and Keenan Allen. I am going to keep Travis Kelsey. That is my first keeper. And I am going to keep Patrick Mahomes. Okay, yeah, that was not an easy one. From Garrett, grade the trade. 12-team half PPR dynasty league, and I need help with a trade. I would receive Ezekiel Elliott and Carrion Johnson. It's dynasty. Zeke and Johnson, Carrion Johnson. I would give up Fournette, Damian Williams, and Keenan Allen. Do it! Do it right now! Grade the trade, grade the trade. Do it! Do it, do it! Grade the trade, grade the trade. Do it! Okay. A plus. <laughs> all right. Thank you for your enthusiasm, Heath. That's great. Love it. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. We'll come back on Monday with another edition of Fantasy Football Today. For Heath Cummings, Dave Richard, Jamie Eisberg, I'm Adam Azer saying, na 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 na